Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing this morning? All right, all right. Let me try that again. How are we doing this morning? All right. Well, I, I'm glad to be kind of diving back in, as Cherie said, we're, we're diving back into our, the series that we were in a few weeks ago called Heart Detox. But before we dive back in, I wanted to tell you, I, I want to bring you up to speed on a couple things that happened this week because of your generosity. Uh, on Tuesday, we had the opportunity, if you follow us on social media, to uh, at AK Middle School, they have a, a new club. It's called, it's GI, Getting Into God, uh, is the, and it's GIG is, I think, the, the, acronym they use, but basically they meet on Tuesdays at lunch, and this is a new club that they, they started, and basically they invite anybody in the school that wants to come during this time, and it's a student-led club uh, to come, and, and there's some pizza or different things, and then somebody gets up and able, is able to just share a message from the Bible. And so this past week, I had the privilege of going, and, and because of your generosity, we were able to bring in pizza for the whole class, and, and, uh, which definitely draws more kids when there's pizza available. And it was really cool. Uh, if you look on our social media, you'll see a picture of it. This room was a normal classroom, and I think the, the lady said they, they stopped counting at like 66, 67 kids that were in the class. Literally, I was speaking, and there were little kids. Man, and I like when I preach every now and then, you know, you sit in the front row, you may get splashed a little bit. So there were some kids definitely getting a little bit of that on on Tuesday. But man, the the whole room was packed, and literally for about 15 minutes, we just shared with those kids how they could have a relationship with Jesus. And several of them... uh, indicated that they made a profession of faith and then afterwards kids came up to me and were asking like so tell me a little bit more what do you believe about regeneration and what do you believe about just some of the things that they've they've heard and been taught and so man awesome opportunity and thank you for just giving so generously so that we can invest in our public schools in this area uh, another way that we were able to do that this week is one of our local elementary schools is, is having a fall festival, and they were looking for sponsors for their fall festival, and our church was able to step up and say, hey, we, let, we want to be a part of what you're doing here. We want to help sponsor this fall festival for all the families uh, in, in your uh, school, and so, man, we were able to do that. So thank you. Sometimes you don't know, uh, but I always like to bring you up to speed on how God's using your generosity to really make just ministry happen in places that really we're we're not able to go on a regular basis, but God's using it uh, to do whatever he wants to do. And so thank you for that. As I mentioned, we're going to dive back into our series, Heart Detox. 
And over the last few weeks, what we've talked about is as we kind of grew up, and I know some of you are maybe still teenagers, some of you uh, are maybe college students, and then some of you, man, you can't really remember what it was like even to be a teenager. It's been a few years. But all of us, when we were kids, and then when, when we're parents, this is what we do with our kids, we help our kids modify their behavior. And we've talked about that a little bit. And so in your house, you had certain rules that, man, you, you didn't do these things, or, man, when we go this place, you're not allowed to say these things, or, hey, when we go to this family thing, this is a subject you're not allowed to bring up, and every family kind of has their little kind of things that they have to do. Every dad has their little speech they give their kids before you show up to something that's important, and dad or mom kind of turns around and is like looking at the kids, and, all right. Be on your best behavior and, you know, the speech that uh, you probably have given your kids. And kids figure it out pretty quick. And, and kids are really good at modifying their behavior based on consequences that will happen if they don't modify their behavior. And so as a kid, we, we just kind of modify our behavior to whatever's kind of appropriate. And then when we don't, we get consequences. Well, then we grow up. And what we've said over the past few weeks is, Obviously, we don't have a mom or dad that's standing over us when we're 25, 30, and if you do, whole nother issue we can talk about another time, uh, but, but we don't have that, and so what we do is we kind of create our own filtering system, and, and we create this complex filtering system that helps us kind of say, oh, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I really want to say, here's what I think the person I'm talking to deserves to hear, but my filter says yeah, you probably not, shouldn't say that, and the filter kind of stops what you're going to say. But every now and then, and, and you know this, every now and then the filter breaks down. Every now and then you say something, and then you end up saying something like this, wow, that is not like me to say that, or where did that come from? And basically, what we've been talking about over the past few weeks is we know exactly where that came from, and it wasn't a filtering issue, it wasn't a behavior modification issue, it was a heart issue. It was something that found its way into your heart, and then from your heart and my heart found its way out into wherever, hurting whoever with whatever words you said. And that's why several thousand years ago, a guy by the name of Solomon he was sitting down with his sons and he said, hey, let me tell you some things that my dad David told me and let me share with you some wisdom from your grandpa David. And in Proverbs chapter 4, this is what he said, and this is kind of some of the passages we've looked at. He said this, he said, my son, be attentive to my words. Listen, basically. Hey, listen up. That's what he's saying. Incline your ear to my sayings. Put your phone down, quit looking at your screen, and listen to what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> and, and in case the kid didn't get it, obviously. And then he says this, let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. So, hey, I'm really, you need to catch this. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And then this is what he says. He says this, he says, Keep or guard your heart with all vigilance, 
And the word heart there basically means the inside you, your, your, your soul, what's inside of you that makes you who you are. The, the, the writer, he says, guard your heart, keep it. Here's why. For from it flows the springs of life. Son, everything you do in life, how you lead, how you parent, how you treat people, it all comes from what's inside you, and so guard what's in your heart. Because from, from what's in you is really where your whole life's going to come from. See, in our society, you hear things like, hey, follow your heart. And, and he's like, don't follow your heart. Guard your heart. If you follow your heart, you're going to go some places you shouldn't go. Man, but guard your heart, because out of your heart, all of your life will come from. It's where it's found. And, and, and you and I know this. At the end of the day, we're only as healthy as our heart. That's true physically, but it's also true spiritually and emotionally. We're only, I mean, we can make, and we're so good at it. We can make, and we do it physically too. Like when we're a mess physically, we have the right outfit. Like we can make ourselves look not as fat as we really are. We can make ourselves, like we, we, we can guard, make it look good on the outside and on the inside we're still a mess. We do the same thing spiritually. Man, and if you grew up in church, you're probably like, you probably have a card for this. You're a professional. Like, you know the drill. You know how to make things look really good on the outside. You know exactly the right words to say to keep, like, the, the mature spiritual people in your church happy with you and, and kind of off your back. And so, man, you make it look really good on the outside. All the while, inside, something might be going crazy and your heart might be a mess. And you're only as healthy as your heart. And so we have a choice, both physically, honestly, but also in this case, spiritually. We can, and we do this, we can pretend it's not a problem. We can pretend, you know what? What's inside my heart, that weight I feel, that envy, that lust, that you fill in the blank, it's not that big of a deal. And we can kind of pretend our way out of this thing and just hope we don't hurt enough, hope we don't hurt too many people along the way. And we'll just pretend it's not there. For some of you, you grew up in a family where that's what your mom and dad did. They, they were a mess on the inside and you saw that mess come out off and on, but they, they never wanted to deal with it. They kind of pretended it wasn't there. And so, man, you, you just, that's just how you did life. That's one thing you can do. Or you can, and this is what we've talked about over the past few weeks, instead of pretending it's not there, we can actually lean into the weight in our heart and say, you know what, I don't want to live decades with this. I believe God can do something inside me and do something deeply in me so that this lust and this envy and this you fill in the blank doesn't go into every relationship I'm in for the rest of my life. And so that's what we've talked about. And so the question that I have for you that we've talked about a lot is simply this. How's your heart? Not, not how do you want people to think you are. Not what does it look like on the outside. But let's think about, like if someone were to dig into your heart, how's your heart right now? Is there something in your heart that's weighing you down and... and, and you, like most of us, just naturally try to pretend it's not there, try to mask it, but I think God wants something more for you. 
And so over the past few weeks, we've, we've decided, you know what, we're not going to pretend that it's not there. We're going to lean into the weight that's in our heart, and we're going to deal with some of these things. And so the first week, we talked about envy. And the message of envy is this message that God owes me. It's this, hey, if God wanted to, he could have given me this. If God wanted to, he could have done this in this situation. And, and we think God owes us, so we look at other people that have what we don't have, or God showed up in a way that we were hoping he'd show up, and we envy them. We talked about that. Then week two, we talked about guilt. And the message of guilt is, I owe you. I hurt you. I took something from you. I, you fill in the blank. And because of that, you're carrying a weight of guilt. And it might be a weight of guilt from a long time ago. And, and, and for most of us, what we've done, and we've just kind of managed this thing, we have this guilt inside of us because of something we took from somebody in the past or something we did. And instead of bringing it out into the light and dealing with it, we have just covered it up and it, when it comes up we just try to shove it back down so that it, we never have to deal with it and so we we talked about that a few weeks ago and, but here today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about an issue in the heart that every single one of you have been affected by and for some of us we have destroyed people because of this and it's the issue of anger and the message of anger, if, if envy is God owes me, and if guilt is I owe you, the message of anger is you owe me. See, something was taken from you. You took a childhood from me. You took a first marriage from me. You took an opportunity. You took a reputation. You took a dream from me. And because of that, there's something inside of me that's angry at you. And I, if I'm honest, you owe me. And that's the message of anger. And because of that, because of somebody that has done something that's wrong to you, nobody's downplaying what's happened. Because somebody's done something that's wrong to you, anger has made a way into your heart and it's now found a home. And it's starting to maybe create bitterness and it's starting to show itself up in other areas of your life. And, and, and what I believe God wants us to do is I think, feel like God wants us to lean into this because for some of us, you have been affected by someone else's anger and you honestly can't remember a day in your life when this person wasn't in your life and the anger they have in their heart has affected you in a lot of ways. And you might be sitting there saying, you know what, if I'm honest, I'm that person in my family. And we deal with anger in, in different ways. There's, there's a couple ways that we tend to deal with anger. The first way is, is this. Some of us are spewers, and what I mean by that is there's a verse in Proverbs 29, 11, and it says this, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. For some of us, when we get angry, nobody has to guess that we're angry. And you all have this person in your family that here in a few months when you go to Thanksgiving, like, all right, let's, let's walk on eggshells around this person and let, don't make them too mad because, man, when they get upset, they let everybody know. 
And, and if you don't have somebody in your family like that, you might look in the mirror because it might be you that everybody's like, hey, be careful around them. Don't talk about this. But, but some of us, we deal with anger by really just blowing up. And, and man, we're, we're, we vent out loud all the time about everything. And before you know it, people stop taking us seriously. And it's just like, well, that's Aunt Sally. That's just what she does. And we just listen and we pretend. And nobody really, she has no, some of you are like, I actually have an Aunt Sally like that. But, but, but you understand. And some of you might be like, that's me. That, when I get angry, everybody's going to know about it. I'm blowing up. The, I mean, it, the roof's going to cave in. And maybe that's how you deal with anger. But then there's a, a whole other group of us, and I would put myself in this group, and you're the stewards. And, and, and you're the person that, man, you get just as angry as everybody else, but instead of blowing up, you're too proud to do that. And so you stuff it kind of down deep, and you just stew on it. And people walk around on eggshells around you too, because they're not sure how to make you happy, and you're, there's just like this simmer underneath everything, and, and so they're trying to just make sure they don't make you too upset. But, but if, if you are that type of person, then you understand this, man. You just kind of take it all in, and, and every now and then you blow your top, but that doesn't happen a lot. But for you, you just kind of put a cloud over the whole room, because underneath there's an anger that nobody's really sure why you're acting that way, but everybody's sure you're acting that way. And that, this would be me. Like when I struggle with anger, my family could tell you, like I'm the person that will put a cloud over the whole room. I'm too proud to like get really, really mad and yell, but I can be sharp with my words and little poking at little things, and, and it's just as bad. See, the, but the beautiful thing is whether you're the person that like you blow up or whether you're the person that, you know, you kind of stew on it. The beautiful thing for all of us is that if you're carrying legit anger for something that's happened to you in your life, there's tremendous hope in the scriptures. It's not one of those things you just have to be like, well, I just got to live with this. Just got to manage it the rest of my life. No, the scripture speaks to this for the purpose of us gaining freedom in this. And one letter in particular is written by a man that, that we've talked about here before. His name's Paul, who understood hurt as he wrote this letter from prison. And he talks about what to do with anger. Because here's the thing, and you know this, anger isn't a circumstance, it's a heart issue. Just because I blew up at the umpire and made a fool of myself, yeah, that was an event, that was a situation, but man, it wasn't the umpire's fault. It was something a lot deeper than my seven-year-old getting a bad call on the baseball field. There's a heart issue. And Paul understood that. And so here's what he said in Ephesians chapter 4. It'll be up on the screen or you can follow along in the app. He says this. He says, be angry and do not sin. If you're study Greek, which I'm sure that's not something you did this morning, but if you did study Greek this morning then you and you studied this verse, you would understand that what Paul's saying, he's giving you two imperatives. He's telling you to do two things. He says, I, I, be angry and do not sin. See, anger is not a bad thing. 
You're like, oh, wow, I never thought I'd hear that in church. No, anger's not a bad thing. In fact, if anger is a bad thing, then this whole thing's coming down because Jesus got angry. And, and Jesus got angry at some things, and you should get angry at some things too. Like when weak people get taken advantage by powerful people, that should bother you. When sin ruins relationships and families and takes away dreams, that should bother you. You should not be okay with that. And Jesus, he got angry, and we should get angry too. When somebody hurts you, when someone lies to you, man, being angry is natural. But the scriptures say, be angry and do not sin. Be angry, but don't sin. It says this. In the scripture, it keeps going on. It says this. It says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity for the devil. So so here's what it's saying. This, This anger that you have. Don't let it keep going and keep going and keep going. Because you know what anger does pretty quickly? If it's the wrong type of anger, it turns into bitterness and it, turn, it, it has babies and the babies aren't good. And some of you, you know that. Because man, you, you legitimately got angry at a legitimate thing, but then you never dealt with it the correct way and that anger has turned into other things. And, and the scriptures say, hey... Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And so that word opportunity literally means to give a staging ground. When when we're angry and we don't handle it correctly, what we're literally doing is we're giving Satan like a, a place to live on our heart. Like, hey, here's your office right here in my heart. Make yourself at home. When we don't deal with anger the right way, we're giving Satan an opportunity. And what's interesting is this, this word devil that, that Paul uses. It's, he, he, there's a, a Greek word that he uses pretty regularly for Satan. But in this instance, he uses another Greek word that means slander, liar, deceiver. And, and here's what I think he's saying. When you give... The person that hurt you, a place in your heart, what you're doing by being angry at them and handling it the wrong way, what you're doing is you're giving the devil an opportunity. When, when, when you have legitimate anger because someone hurt you and we're not downplaying that they hurt you, we're not downplaying that they might deserve to be punished for what they did, they may get in trouble with the law, that like they deserve all those things. But when you don't handle your anger correctly, when I don't handle my anger correctly, what we're doing is we're allowing that person to come and live in our heart and we're carrying it with us and we're giving Satan an opportunity to just hang out. And so this verse might be, you could actually say it this way, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to, and you put the person's name in the blank, that hurt you, that's causing you to be angry. Because when I don't handle anger correctly, what I'm doing is, I'm putting that person 
in the blank. I'm giving them a place in my heart to stay there sometimes for years and years and years and impact my future. And I'm giving Satan an opportunity to be there as well. See, if we don't deal with our anger, it doesn't matter what our hopes are, what our dreams are, what our intentions are. When we don't deal with our anger, we're giving the people that hurt us a basically a free pass to live in our heart and impact our future for a long time. And, and honestly, there, there's a place for anger. But it's really important that we keep anger in its place. Man, when there's injustice... When someone's hurt you, there's a place for anger. But that place should not lead us to sin. See, this time of year, and, and, and we're actually going to pick up one here in the next few weeks, a lot of you have a fire pit in your backyard. Like, this is a perfect place. When we had a fire pit in our backyard in Florida, like, we waited for like the two days of winter. In Florida, a couple hours each day that we had where it was like broke under 70 degrees. Uh, and, and we would, you know, do the fire pit. And that's fun, fun to do, just like you. But here it's a little nicer. Here for the next four or five months, most of our evenings in this area, if it's not raining, it's a great time, man, to get, kind of get the family together. And if you have small kids, you know, man, they love to do s'mores. And it's just a great time around the fire pit. Man, that's a great thing. But if you go talk to people that lived in paradise a year ago, they're going to give you a whole different perspective on what fire can do. See, if you, you got the fire pit in the backyard, man, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Man, we use it, and it's just something that kind of even maybe brings your family together. And when it's in its right place, it's a great thing. But you go talk to somebody that's seen fire used in a way that's in not the right way, and has seen the destruction when fire gets out of its place. And you'll hear a whole different story because, man, those people in paradise are other people that have lost homes where there's been fires. Man, yeah, they, they know what the fire pit is. And yeah, it's great to have that with your family. But man, I can tell you a story of how fire literally covered my whole land and how it took my... And it's a whole different thing because that thing that we love and that thing that brings us together in the backyard out of place is so destructive. And that's the way anger is. Anger, the message of anger is, you owe me. Somebody hurt you. Somebody took something from you. And if you don't deal with it the right way, you're allowing it to literally ravage your heart and destroy your relationships going forward. When anger is not in its place, it's so destructive. So think about this. If you were God... If you were God, and you loved you as much as God did, what would you tell us to do with anger? Look with me at what Paul says. He says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And maybe you push back a little bit. Like when they apologize, right? Yeah, I get all that. You know, once they apologize, come clean with everything. No, doesn't say that. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. What if they never apologize? 
And, and would an apology, honestly, would an apology really take care of all the hurt in your heart? Paul goes on and he says this. This is where it's like, are you sure, Paul? Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. See, forgiveness in this context means the, what the word pardon means. See, the, the word pardon basically is simply saying this. Hey, you owe me. Genuinely, you owe me. You, you hurt me. You did something wrong. You stole something from me. You took something from me. There's legit hurt. But I'm not holding it against you. I'm going to pardon you. You don't have to pay me back like you could pay me back anyway. And what Paul's saying here is he's saying, here, here's how you deal with anger. It's not downplaying that you've been hurt. It's not pretending that it, it really didn't happen or that it didn't really hurt bad. But it's just saying, I'm not going to allow the hurt that you caused me to run my life for the rest of my life. And so, because of what Jesus did for me, whether you want me to or not, I'm going to pardon you. You no longer owe me. I'm pardoning you. It's the only way to break the chains for your future is to pardon because you and I both know that if we don't pardon, man, if the, what if they never apologize? What if it's never made right? Are we going to just carry this around and let this anger stew up in us and carry it into every other relationship? See, maybe you're there and legitimately you're saying they don't deserve it. I agree. No one ever said they deserved it. But God thinks you deserve it. God thinks you deserve to be free. God thinks you deserve to have your family be free, to have your future be free. God loves you, and so he's saying, for you to be free because you're my child, you need to pardon them, even if they don't deserve it. Because God thinks a lot of you. And, and if you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, this is honestly optional for you. So you can be like, you know what, let me think about this one. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you want to do this on Monday, you can. If you don't want to do it on Tuesday, don't worry about it. But if you're a follower of Jesus, there's actually some accountability to this in the next phrase. It says, as God in Christ forgave you. So, so you don't have to forgive people if you haven't been forgiven. Basically, he's saying, hey, here, here's, what, here's what I want you to do. I just, small thing, want you to forgive other people the way you've been forgiven. So what was your story again? So tell me about your life. And for, for some of us, if we're honest, man, even knowing what Jesus did for us, we're still like, I don't know. I don't know, man. You don't, you don't know how bad I've been hurt. And here's what I do know. I, I know that whatever it is in your heart that's caused this anger is legit. Like, man, it really happened. No one's downplaying it. But, but what Jesus is saying through, through Paul's writing is, hey, in spite of what they did, 
in spite of, and you fill in the blank, all that they did to hurt you because of what Jesus did for you, let that be their, your motivation. Don't let the other person be your motivation because you won't be motivated to do it. But because you've been forgiven, because you've been pardoned, pardon them. Because you're worth it. Your future is God loves you, and he doesn't want you carrying this around into every relationship and room that you go into over the next few years. Maybe you push back a little bit. What if they broke the law? They need to face the consequence. Nobody's saying that they don't face consequences. Pardoning someone in your heart is basically saying, hey, you got to face the consequences of your actions but I'm not going to allow you to control my heart for the rest of my life. I'm not going to allow you to have power inside of me for the rest of my life. And so you face the consequences, but in my heart, I'm pardoning you. This week, I'm sure you saw it, some of you, probably many of you, probably the greatest example I've ever seen of this verse and it was like dude did you know I was preaching on this because thank you for that illustration I don't know if you've been following I'm going to show it here in a second but few few uh not not long ago actually there was a police officer in Texas that somehow and there's a lot of stories but bottom line she walked into an apartment that she thought was hers there was a young man in that apartment because it was his apartment she saw him and shot him, killed him, in his own apartment. And she, like, lived on the fourth floor, and she was on the third floor, and the apartments looked similar, whatever. But bottom line is, she walked into this dude's apartment and killed him. So she was just put on trial in Texas. And she was convicted of, of the crime, and at her sentencing, she was given 10 years in prison. And this guy that's, that died, his brother, his name was Brant, got up. And at, at the sentencing, a lot of times they'll allow the family to say something to the person that did the crime. And this young man, in this two-minute clip you're about to see, is a picture of what's impossible without Jesus. So watch this. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I... I forgive you, and I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. 
and the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. When I saw that, I, I was just thinking of what I had heard of the story, and I was just thinking, like, I, I might feel that one day, but to sit up in front of this lady that just not long ago shot and killed my brother and to hug her before she went to prison. Just what a powerful picture of someone that had every right to be angry. He will never have Thanksgiving with his brother. He will never do anything that he loved doing with his brother. But not because this lady deserved it, but because Brant wanted to do it because he felt that's what God was calling him to do. He pardoned her as he had been pardoned. And I think for us, if we're going to deal with the anger in our heart and not allow it to control us for the rest of our life, we've got to deal with it. We've got to admit that we're angry and admit why we're angry. And so for, for some of us, this is what you got to decide. You got to decide, am I going to carry this around? Like, am I good? I'm, I'm 20 years old. I'm 40 years old. I'm 60 years old. Am I going to carry this anger around because somebody legitimately hurt me? They did something they shouldn't have done. They took something from me. But am I going to allow them to have a place in my heart and that pain to have a place in my heart that affects every relationship I'm in for the rest of my life? Or am I going to do something about it? And so... Really practically, for, for some of us, you know what we need to do? We need to make a list of what the person owes us. See, it's pretty easy to kind of forgive generally, but sometimes we actually have to write it down and say, let me write down very specifically how this person has hurt me. And, and then once we have it all written down, and man, we are we're straightforward, we're, we're, we're not beating around the bush, like we're putting down exactly how we feel, what they did to hurt us. Then we look at that paper and we have to make a decision, am I going to cancel the debt? And say, yeah, you, there may be consequences you'll have to face, but you don't owe me any longer. They can't pay us back anyway. It's ridiculous for us to literally allow their, what they did to us to affect us for the rest of our life when at the end of the day, they can't give back what they took. They can't make it better. They can say sorry, but at the end of the day, it's not all fixed. And so are we going to allow them to have power in our heart and literally give Satan an office there 
to affect us the rest of our life. And so we make a list. We, we're very specific about what they owe us. And then we make a decision to cancel the debt. And it's not saying they don't owe you. It's not saying what they did is okay. It's saying I will not be controlled by you any longer. I wrote this in our, my notes. Sometimes we have to release the past so the past can release you. And this is hard. This is not easy. Some of you, you're probably getting angry thinking about the list you, you have to make. Like, just the stuff on that list, as you think about it, you're, it's welling up inside you. And it should be because you've been hurt. But release the past. And so the question we kind of started with is, is this, is everything okay in your heart? The, the weight you feel is a window into what God wants to reveal. That weight you feel, that anger, that guilt, that whatever weight it is, we've talked about several over the past few weeks, instead of that weight just carrying it around and pretending and, and ho hoping it goes away, maybe the weight in your heart, the anger in your heart is, is a window into what God is trying to do. He's trying to do something there. He loves you too much to allow you to carry it and affect generations. So how's your heart? A couple of questions as we close. Are you mad at anybody? Is there, is there anybody that, if you're honest, you're like, yeah, I don't even have to think hard. Yeah, pretty angry at somebody. Another question, just, just again, just trying to get a window into our heart. Do you find yourself going off on the smallest things? Like you, you just blow your top over small things. And it's not because of the small thing. Because another day it wouldn't even have bothered you. But because of something that's in your heart, the smallest thing sets you off. Do you find yourself doing that? So are you going to take care of it? It's a process. And... and there's, we have people in this room that could tell you, man, that have dealt with stuff in their life and, and have, could say, man, this is not like a switch you turn on and off and it's all fixed. This is a process. But it's a process that God wants to take us through because he loves us too much to be enslaved by anger, by guilt, by you, you fill in the blank with whatever's in your heart. He wants to see you have freedom because that's why he came. He didn't come to earth and give his life so you could walk around with anger that affects you and all your relationships. He came so you could be free. Let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we close up. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I just want you to, just between you and God, is there somebody that you are angry with? And it's, it's rightful, like they did something wrong. They took something from you. They hurt you. They betrayed you. They took innocence. They took a dream. They took an opportunity. They ruined a family. Are you willing to pardon them? Are you willing to, to say, hey, they have hurt me. 
And here's how they have hurt me. But because Jesus pardoned me, I'm canceling the debt for them. And yes, there will be consequences to what they did. Natural consequences, maybe consequences with the law. Yeah, there's going to be consequences, and and no one said there shouldn't be. But you're going to make a decision to say, no longer did what they do to me, no longer is that going to control me. No longer is that going to go with me into every relationship I'm in. Jesus died so that I could be free, and I'm going to pardon so I can be free. Because Jesus did that for me. Would you just, in the quietness of your heart, maybe you're not even ready for that. Maybe you're just, in in your heart, you're just going to have to say to God right now, God, I'm not ready to do that. But God, I I need you to work in my heart. I, I know that's the right thing to do in my head, but God, I'm not ready and I just need you to work in my heart. Or maybe for you, you're like, I am. I'm ready. I'm ready to just mentally, maybe literally physically write a list of how they've hurt you and and literally say, the debt has been canceled. Tear the paper up. Burn the paper. Whatever you have to do to say, you know what? The debt's over. Maybe you're ready to do that. Maybe this afternoon you can do that. But I just want to say one more time that God loves you so much that He desires freedom for you. And He died a really awful death and rose from the grave so that you in this moment would have the power from Him to be free. And so I encourage you to step in to what God's provided. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the truth of Your Word. I pray, God, that we would be people that walk in freedom so that one day we can give a testimony and our testimony is because of Jesus, I'm free. Amen.